Amen. It's good to see you all here this morning. I want you to open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1, and that's one of those little prophetic books. So find Matthew, kind of start the New Testament, and start working your way backwards. You will get there, all right? And in the first service, I asked, how many love Jesus? Yeah, yeah, and that was kind of the response, and, and my thought was that, you know what, if you can't make that response yet, it's just because you don't know him, that's all, that's all, it's not bad on you, you just don't know him yet, when you start to know him in a relationship with him, it literally changes every, it will change your life, and here at Momentum Church, we just want you to know that you have an opportunity to have your life changed by Jesus, amen, and um, it's an amazing thing when you think about that. <coughs> Excuse me, a couple of things I want to speak to is that over the last three Sundays, we had over almost 30 people baptized, amen? Yeah, that made commitments to go public with their faith. And, um, and in between the services, I had a guy run up to me and say, Pastor Ross, I want to get baptized today. And so in the, this service, at the end of the service, we're going to have a, a fellow get baptized. If you're here today and you feel like you want to join that fellow, not like literally join him in the tank, well... <laughs> We'll do them separately, okay? But if you feel like you want to go public with your faith and, or if you feel like there's just a reason right now that you need to go to these waters for, 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 for um, just that identification with what God's doing in your life, we want to give you that opportunity at the end of the service, all right? And so you will have that opportunity. The Lord will speak to your heart if that's something you're to do during this service. Just be obedient to that response. Um, let's begin. This is our second week in our series called Uncommon, and we're looking at the idea of a call to live life differently, a call to live life differently. And, um, and over the next few weeks coming, we'll be looking at what that call looks like when it comes to living life differently relationally. Amen? Wouldn't you like it if your wife lived life differently? Come on, some husbands. No, you'll get, you'll get elbowed. You'll get elbowed, you know. But I will say, parents, wouldn't you like it if your children could get a hold of this message of living life on common? Come on, Luke Bowers. Come on, Luke Bowers. You know. Come on, Grant Wiseman, wherever he is. Um, um, Jeremy Civil, yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, wouldn't it be awesome? And so over the next few weeks, we're we'll going to be looking at what it looks like. But the thing with it is I really feel like God wants us to hone in right now and on this uncommon relationship that we have with him. Amen? And so last week we started seeing Daniel, and we left Daniel with the story of his encounter. He had this uncommon encounter where he had an experience where he was thrown into the lion's den, and the lions had their mouths shut by God Almighty, amen? When you see something like that, that's uncommon, because men don't go into dens of lions and come out breathing, amen? That's an uncommon experience. How many would like to test that experience? I don't know about, I don't know about that. I don't know. But some of you are. It may not be a physical line, but some of you folk, you're going through some stuff right now that may feel like the jaws are about to clamp down. And I'm just trusting and believing God that you can see and encounter an uncommon encounter with God in the midst of that. And so we can see in that story two people. I told you last week, we saw David or Daniel in the story, and we saw the king in the story. Daniel got to experience being in the middle of a move of God. I mean, just right in the middle of it. The king, all the king got to do is look in on a move of God. That's all he got to do is look in. But Daniel was in the middle of this encounter. It wasn't an encounter with lions. It was an encounter with the presence of the Almighty, amen? Right in the middle of that place of hardship. And, and when I think about it, 
I'm wanting to place my life in a place, I, I, like right in the middle of what God is doing. I, I don't have time to waste in my life to be looking in at what God wants to do. I want to be right in the middle of what God's doing. Amen? You feel that way? You know, we've wasted enough time. Amen? I want to be right in the center of what God is doing. And, and, and what we started looking at last week was the idea that in this story, there's a king and there's Daniel, and we can be the king. We can act like Lord over our lives, that we rule. It's our decisions. It's everything that we want. It's everything that our, our passions desire. It's all those things that we allow to rule and reign in our heart. Or we can say, no, I have no king but Jesus. Jesus is the ruler over my heart. And so I told you last week the way I worded that is I said, be a Daniel. You already have a king. Amen? Be a Daniel. Be that one that is going into the things of God. And here's the thing about it. Last week, we kind of fast forward. We went right to the encounter that he had, the uncommon encounter. And that was absolutely amazing. But today, I want to kind of reverse engineer the story and discover what it looks like to prepare ourselves for an uncommon encounter with God or uncommon encounters with God. Because I do, I believe we have the benefit of a 2020 vision looking in hindsight. Daniel didn't have this. He's just going through this. But we can look back and we can see some things in Daniel's life that we can say, God, that's, that's the walk I want to walk. That is the call to live differently that I want to embrace. How many, you're on board, on, I can't talk, I'm about to cough. How many of you are on board with that with me today, amen? To discover what that call looks like, to live life differently, to answer that call. And so today we're going to be looking into that. And what I want you to do is kind of imagine, because we're going to catch the story at the beginning of this now. We kind of looked at the end, but we're going to catch it at the beginning. But in the middle and all throughout the story, you see Daniel, a man of prayer. And you see him, if you would, look through the window. You know, the Bible says he'd pray at this window. Look at the window, look through it, and just imagine somebody to face all there. This man that's about to face all sorts of stuff. But man, in the midst of getting ready to face all that, he had his priorities engaged. He was a man that was, was, was purposeful, all right? And we're gonna look at what that looked like. I doubt he ever even saw coming at him, you know, what was gonna happen to him and to all his friends as they were about to face and experience all the things they were gonna experience. But listen, they walked out an uncommon lifestyle in contrast to everyone else around them. Amen? And that's my challenge to you. You are the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? We are his body. Scripture will say we're his bride and he's his groom. Dudes, I know that's weird, okay? But that's who we are. And with it, he invites us to a place of living differently, not for self-righteousness, amen, but for such a relationship with him that he can do what he desires in us. And he can do what he desires through us. And the results that he wants to accomplish in the earth, that he's just waiting on his body, that's all. Those results, it's an invitation to come live differently so that he can live in and through you. Amen? I'm tired of living for myself. Amen? I'm tired of the church of Jesus, not, not momentum, but his bride not being seen. All I know is my girl, when she came down the aisle, she was seen. I'm serious. You've seen Amy. When she, when she came down the aisle, oh, my word, all eyes. Man, I want eyes on the church again, not for the church's glory, but that the groom can be seen. 
Amen? Every eye looked at her, and she walked right up to me, my old ugly self. But because she covenanted with me, I felt like, man, all eyes were looking at me in that moment too. Amen? And that, that's the thing. We want to point people to Jesus. And so today, I think we're going to figure that out a little bit. Amen? I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to look at the Word of God. Daniel chapter 1. Let's go to the beginning of the story. Down weird. Me a little bit today. I've got kind of the, the, the chest funk. I don't know what it is. So I don't feel sick. I just sound weird. So, in Daniel 1, 1 through 7, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Everybody say besieged. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Vessels were removed from the place of God to the place of this, this lesser God, this, this false God. Verse 3, then the king commanded Ashpenaz. Say Ashpenaz. Watch your mouth. It was close. It was close. That's quite a name right there, Ashpenaz. That's a good name for you. Stacy, where are you at, honey? There you are. That'd be a nice name. That's Pastor Stephanie's twin sister who's also with child. Isn't that neat? And so she's having a little boy, and I think Ashpenaz is a... Ashpenaz Ross. That'd be nice. No. But Ashpenaz was Nebuchadnezzar's chief eunuch. And to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, used without blemish of good appearance and skill and all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stay in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. I told you last week, the Chaldeans were astronomers, astrologers, and philosophers that around them, the, 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 the kind of cultural religious identity of Babylon kind of existed, Okay. And so when I, when I read this, it's to endow them with knowledge, understanding, and learning. It, it's to indoctrinate. Say indoctrinate. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. At the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You will know those names better by their Babylonian names. Um, you won't know Danielle because that's about the Shazar, but, but the rest of them are Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego, yeah. And so these young men are taken from Israel, brought from Judah and brought over to Babylon. They're in exile. They're in a land that's not their own. And somehow they could stand out in such a significant way. And I believe it's because there was an uncommonness about them, a call to live life differently. And we're gonna discover that today. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, over the next few minutes, would you just speak boldly to our hearts? We invite you, Lord, to speak to us and to help us understand what it will look like as the church of you to posture ourselves in a way to encounter you in our lives for our blessing, yes, but for the benefit of others as well. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have your seat. So in this story, we see Nebuchadnezzar. And to me, Nebuchadnezzar the king, I'm going to liken him to the modern day church. Is that okay? Because I, I, th I see a lot of characteristics in Nebuchadnezzar kind of like the church. And the reason why I say that is Nebuchadnezzar, time and time and time again, he saw God do stuff. 
with Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He saw the hand of God time and again. Literally, by the time Daniel goes to the lion's den, do you realize that Nebuchadnezzar have already had one dream interpreted by Daniel and a second dream interpreted by Daniel? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have gone to the fiery furnace. They should have burned up, but they didn't even smell like smoke. And they, even Nebuchadnezzar, when he looked in, he said, there's somebody else in the fire. Didn't we put three people in the fire? There's a fourth man in the fire, and he appears to be the son of God. You sure, man, that's some echo. Hello, hello. You sure would think, you sure would think when it comes down to that, that that man would have a difference of, of, of opinion that would stay with him. But he's blinded. And my mind started thinking about a lot like the church, you know. He's having encounter after encounter after encounter, but he keeps forgetting. Then there's an opportunity. This is, again, before the lion's den. They're having a party. And on the drywall, a hand starts to write. Would you not be freaked all out if you were having a dinner party? And on the drywall, you start to see written, mene, mene, tekel simparsen. All right? You start to see that. Yes, you would, because you don't speak Babylonian-ish. I'm not sure what they spoke. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, it would blow your mind, you know? But man, you know what that meant? That meant this. That meant you have been weighed in the balances, and you're found wanting, Nebuchadnezzar. You're, you're missing it. And I'm going to tell you right now, when it comes to the church, okay, the American church, and again, I'm huge. God bless America. I'm huge on the USA. I love it. But I'm going to be honest, the American church, I believe that we can encounter more of God. I do. All right. And we're going to see today why I think we don't. Okay. But in the middle of that, I believe God says over us. And let's not just say the church. I'm going to say Ross Wiseman. God will say, Ross, you have been weighed in the balances and you found wanting. I've shown you my hand time and time again. And so quickly you forget it. I've spoke words to you, and in the moment you spoke them as confident, but same way, you had fear and you kept your mouth silent, you know? And, and so it's the same way for us individually and as the movement of the church. When it comes to our movement of the church, like America, how many times has God visited our country with revival and we forget, but we believe the hype of everyone else? Because like in this story, you'll see him constantly. The Nebuchadnezzar's cronies, they would say, oh, king, live forever. You're wonderful. You're an amazing king. You're mighty above all, you know? Oh, American church, live forever. You're king. You're amazing. You're mighty, mightier than all. Maybe at one time, the American church represented that. But we're broken, people. Amen? We're broken, and I just want to own that. And it's okay. It's not a... Hmm. It's not a, a slam that keeps us from moving forward. It's a prophetic word that causes us to be challenged and say, okay, God, we want the fix. And listen, maybe not somebody else may not embrace the fix, but I believe I'm looking at a room full of people that want to embrace the fix. Amen? I'm looking, I believe I'm looking at a room full of people that just you're tired of status quo too. Amen? And so we see Nebuchadnezzar as a type and shadow, if you will, of the church, just seeing God's hand but forgetting so quickly relying so quickly on our things that we understand. And, and then I think of Babylon. When you see Babylon here, listen to this. Babylon was known for their commerce, 
They were known for their self-reliance. Babylon was known for their faith based in what they could figure out with their own wisdom. That's called humanism, people, all right? So Babylon was known for all those things. Does that sound familiar a little bit? Does it sound like a little bit like the United States of America, amen? Known for our commerce, known for our self-reliance. But listen, we forget we forget so quickly what God desires. We forget so quickly what God has done. There has been a great awakening. There has been another great awakening. There has been the great Cain Ridge revivals that maybe you haven't ever heard of, but man, changed the nation. There was movements and revivals under Charles Finney in the 1800s that changed the nation at the time. The Azusa revival of the early 1900s that we're still seeing and moving. And there's been the movements of God all throughout time, but we quit and we forget so quickly. Man, I can remember preaching on the Wednesday night after the Tuesday night of the bombings of 9-11. And when I was preaching that Wednesday night, the place was packed. We had 650 seats in that building. There had to have been 900 people there. It was just slammed. People standing room only, weeping at the altars. And a move of God ensued. And the reason quickly forgotten. We forget and the reason why is because we're starting to be besieged, okay? Watch this. Daniel 1, verse 1 through 7. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, and he besieged it. Do you see that? He began to put a wall. Well, the wall's there, but he began to put a surrounding around it and to begin to choke it out. And I believe there's things in our country that is choking us as a church, okay, choking our, our influence. And some of that stuff, it's stuff that we, it's self-imposed, in, in, this choking that takes place. But watch what happens. The king begins to take the best of the nation. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, <clears throat> into the hand, into his hand, and with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. The, begin, the king begins to take the best of the nation. He takes the vessels, and he takes them back, and he puts them in his place of, of worship. What you have to understand is these vessels, these were temple tools. These were things that were used in the worship of God. All right? These vessels. Things separated as holy unto God for his purpose. That's the word sanctified. All right? Guess who are the vessels now? If you remember back to our series in January, tap yourself on your chest. You're the vessels. The enemy of our heart would love nothing more than to take us and pull us back away and to put us aside as the church. Stay put. Stay in that wall. Stay on this side here and just be nice. Can't you just be good, church? Can't you just leave well enough alone, church? Can't you just, just treat church like something you go to on Sunday, like a little, little social accoutrement that you can put away the rest of the week? The enemy of your heart would love that because literally you're the vessels of God. You're who God uses to get the ministry done. Amen? No wonder he wants to create these walls and pull us away from God's best talking about taking us away, taking away God's best, we begin to also see that he began to take their youth from them. And you saw that. You saw that they took Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that was just those that they listed. But the youth was taken. They were robbed of their offspring, the people of Judah. And can I tell you right now, 60, because the enemy is at work in our country, 
since 1973, 60 million offspring have been robbed from ever having their feet on this planet. Amen? And in the last couple of months, legislation's made it even easier for that death to take place. Now listen, if you're here and you have had an abortion, man, we are not a church that's going to look down on you. I'm going to tell you why. Because the abortion, it needs to be said from Paul. Amen? Amen? But I am going to say this. It needs to be said from pulpits across this country. What is wrong with the American heart that we have slaughtered 60 million babies? I'm sorry, fetuses. No, I said it right first. Babies. Who knew who might have carried the cure for cancer? Who knew who might have been the next Billy Graham? Who knew? I don't know. All I know is this, that in the 40s, if this was Belgium, if this was Holland, we would look down at the neighbor that turned his Jewish neighbor in. We would look down at that neighbor. How in the world could they do that and allow those people be led to slaughter six million Jews? And rightfully so, we should be frustrated with that. Amen? But we should be equally heartbroken when it comes to this matter that we value life so little in this country. Now listen, we need to value life from start to finish, amen? This is why when somebody shows up in this church and they're pregnant and they're out of wedlock, we don't condemn them. We don't, we don't push them down. We try to help them understand what it looks like to be separated unto God and to rise up and see God redeem that situation, amen? We can't have it both ways. We can't on one side tell. Down with abortion, and on the other side, shame on you, honey. You should have known better. Yes, they should have known better, but now there's life. And let's figure out how to help them have life and life that's abundant, because that's the life Jesus comes. There's been enough stealing, killing, and destroying already. Amen? There's got to be a balance. It's kind of a weird, weird dichotomy, I guess. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like living in the world. And not being of it. Amen? And guess what? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they lived in Babylon, but they were not of Babylon. They, they, they walked in such a way that there was connection, but they knew who they were connected to. And there was things that they would not cross. There was lines that they would not go beyond. There was walls that, 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 they, they, that they, they would not overstep, if you will. And so we can see here, this nation of Babylon, to me, reminds me a lot of us, you know. So the enemy is trying to build the walls, all these walls that he can build in our country, to choke out the best of us and to minimize the church's effect, effectiveness. The word besiege means to surround by forces, aiming to capture or force surrender, all right? To surround in such a way that supplies and provisions cannot come in or out, and here's the thing about that. I believe the enemy's trying to do that. And if it was just the walls that the enemy was building, that would be one thing. But we, as a church, as Christians, we also build walls because we see the wall the enemy's building, all right? I don't agree with this and I don't agree with that. I'll just build walls too. And we build a wall on the inside of their wall. And we insulate ourselves from so much of the world that who Jesus is in our lives is difficult to see. So yeah, if it was just the walls in any building, that'd be one thing. But, but we find safety in building our political walls. But if Jesus isn't seen in your politics, to hell with your politics. 
We build safety around social walls. But if Jesus isn't seen in how you do life and relationships, forget that. Amen? We build political walls or economic walls around us. But if Jesus can't be seen in your finances, I always tell you, he only has one church. Amen? There's some walls that need to to come down because they're acting as a, a besieging in our lives. And the best of God, the provisions of God, what God wants to bring to us and from us are being stymied. Amen? Excuse me. And so, well, those walls that that we start to build start to rob influence. And so what we see is a story of a man, Daniel, that shows shows some of God's faithful few on this story in Daniel. It shows some of God's faithful few living in Babylon, but not living of Babylon. And I believe God is raising up a remnant to stand in stark contrast from the status quo around them. That remnant, and I believe they're in this room, he's wanting to set you apart. Amen? I think God's wanting to set his church apart in America today. To set us apart for his purpose. And so we want to look in on Daniel today. Remember I said his practice of prayer. Just look, imagine him on the other side of this window, seeking God in prayer. His practice three times a day, seeking him in prayer. Let's look in on Daniel over the next few minutes and just see there's something distinct about him that was evident way before his uncommon encounter in the lion's den, amen? The first thing that was distinct was Daniel possessed an uncommon character. Say character. In Daniel 1, 8 through 9, it said, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. There was the idea that these foods of the kings, they were worshipped before gods, false gods, and this good young Jewish boy is not going to partake of that. No way. I'm not buying in to what you're trying to feed me. Amen? Church, get bold with that. The world's trying to feed you something. Get bold with the thought. I'm not, that contradicts my character and I'm not buying into what the world is trying to feed me. Well, you know what? If I feel a call to that, Ross, I will. If I feel an unction, if the Holy Spirit comes upon me and I start to shake and I start to tremble, then maybe I can stand strong. That's not what we see. Amen? It says Daniel resolved. Say the word resolved. You know what that is? That's a decision of the mind. I'm not saying that God's not going to get involved with this and bring power for that mental decision, but a resolving is you saying, I have an intent to do this. I have a determination to do this. I'm making my mind up. All I'm asking is for the church to make its mind up. That's all. To say, I'll have a different character than those that live in the world. I'll live different and act different. I'll have different hungers. I won't be satisfied with what they're trying to feed me. That's all I'm saying, a mind to make a decision for that. Watch what Daniel said. At the end of 10 days, it was seen, and they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. It had to have been God. It had to have been God. Vegetables, just vegetables? God bless you, vegans. As for these four youths, watch this, 
God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. None. These walked in more. These walked in a different life than the rest. They had answered a call to live differently and it was being evidenced by Nebuchadnezzar. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times more better. You know how many times that is? That's more better, 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 more better. Everybody shout. That's 10 times more better. I like it. Then all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. It's not just the, the magicians. You got to understand, that was the religious hierarchy. The magicians, that was the Chaldeans. All right? Hmm. I want to say something. I'll get in trouble. We, can I just say it? We better live differently than most of these churches in the nation waffling on truth, waffling on power, getting so hung up on so many other things but the gospel. Amen? We, we better be able to be mo better, mo better. Not so that we can say, look at us, because that's arrogance, and we'll deal with that in a second. Amen? But so that we can encounter God. We can have uncommon encounters with God. What do you mean, Ross? Just those uncommon encounters where you're in his presence. Oh, I feel him. He just, oh, I had such an uncommon encounter. No! Uncommon encounters with God could be there's a need there at work and you're praying and the Lord speaks to your heart to share something with somebody. While you were in your quiet time on the other side of this window seeking God, God said, there's a woman at work named Patty and her heart's heavy today. Look for Patty and when you see Patty, pray for Patty. Amen? It happens. It happens. <clears throat> Just little uncommon encounters every day. Shout no better. So the reason why is not just to be set apart. Remember I told you last week that all this sets us apart for and from. If it just sets us apart from Babylon or from the world, then we can get self-righteous, okay? Because look, it sets us apart. When you walk with character, it'll set you apart from the others. It just does. We saw that here. They were set apart from the others. But if they, that was all it was, set apart from, oh, look how holy we are. Look how wonderful we are. Look how pleasing to God we are, you know. No, no, we're also set apart for. And what we're set apart for is God's usefulness. Your vessels that he uses. So in verse 46 of chapter two, King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and he paid homage to, to Daniel. And he commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. Why? He just interpreted a dream that, that God gave him the understanding for. Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you've been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors, many great gifts, made him ruler, that sounds like some usefulness here, all right, over the whole province of Babylon, and chief, the chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And I love it. Daniel, man, he watched out for his boys. He made a request to the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel remained at the king's court. Can you see this, this character that he would not relinquish? 
this character. It created an environment where he was separated from the others, but he was separated for God's usefulness. Can, can, can you go with me again and just look through the window, see Daniel there praying? He's got uncommon character. And that uncommon character, I'm sure at times was challenged, but his dedication to the Lord that flowed out of that uncommon character, we can now also see him walking in uncommon commitment. Everybody say commitment. Yeah, there was an uncommon commitment to him. Look here in Daniel 10, 6b. Actually, I think I might have that wrong. I think that might be 6, 10b. I think it is. I, I do, I, I, I'm lexdesic sometimes, so... But listen, it says this, he got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. It was his practice of praying three times a day. It's just who he was. There was a commitment out of his character to have that relationship with God. And then there was a practice that took place because of that commitment and he prayed. Now also, anytime you have a commitment, there'll be testing to that commitment. So he had committed to, to not eat the king's food, and he looked to the chief of the eunuchs. And what was your child's name again, Stephanie? Ashpenaz? Okay. He, he, he looked to, to Stephanie's wonderful son-to-be, and, and he said, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. There was a commitment. It wasn't just, yeah, we want to do this in day two. Nah, let me have the king's food. No, it was day three and day four and day five and day six. Ten days test. And then with the idea that he, they would look right by the king and they would continue. And that's what they did. They continued on. They would not defile themselves with what the king wanted to feed them. All right? So what's happening here is you're starting to see because of this commitment, they're starting to be separated. And I believe God is calling you to be separate from those who are satisfied with the name of Jesus on their lips, but no reality of him in their lives. Why, why, ooh, why even be a believer if that's what it's like? I'm going to be honest. I enjoy life, all right? I do. I, I don't even think I could be a Christian. I'm just being honest. If it was just about religion, if it was just about showing up on Sunday once a week, or statistically on the national average, once every six weeks. But I thank God y'all aren't average, amen? amen? You're not. Look at you all in the house of God. Ooh, you're so pretty. <clears throat> but no, I, I just, I, I, I think ever since I, I rededicated my life when I was 19, and I was, I was running from God hard, man, I, just, I wanted to be on that cutting edge of what God was doing. It didn't matter if I was preaching or plumbing or cleaning carpets. I wanted to wake up in the morning with my mind going, God, what are you going to do today? Christianity would be so boring if it wasn't like that. God, what are you going to say today? God, God who are you going to touch today? God, what are we going to learn today? It would just be too boring. Amen? Yeah. And I think that's some reason why some of us, it's like, well, Christianity doesn't work. I went to church and tried it for a while. No, you went to a church and you sat in a pew for a while. You know? But I'm telling you right now, if you go after God like this, like Daniel, oh, you watch what the God of Daniel will do for you. You watch when the God of Daniel becomes the God of, of John and the God of Jeff and the God of Sue and the God of, of Bubba Lou. You watch it, you know. That'll keep you going after God for years. Should just be our commitment. 
But God honors that commitment. And when he sets us apart, listen to this, he sets us apart from those who are satisfied with beliefs that are barely believable. When he sets us apart, he sets us apart from the expectation of peers. Because he had these peers, Daniel, that kept coming against him, finagling to, 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 to bring them down. It didn't matter what the peers thought. This is what I do. Because out of my character and my commitment, I pray. Out of my character and my commitment, I go to church. Out of my character and my commitment, I connect with God. Out of my character and my commitment, I learn the word. Out of my character and my commitment, I learn what it looks like to hear the voice and begin to speak the voice of the Lord. Amen? And will that separate you from your expectations of your peers? Yes. And there may be peers that will still try to pull you back down, <coughs> you know, try to pull you back into the old stuff. It's like, no, man, I'm not eating of the king's food. <clears throat> There's a greater thing that satisfies my heart. And so that's a separating from. Then you have the separating apart for when it comes to commitment, and that is the esteem. You're, sep you're set apart for the esteem that comes from knowing that you are his and he is yours. Oh, it feels good. You know, that's your God. And so finally, let's look into that window one more time. And we see Daniel. He's had uncommon character. He's had uncommon commitment. But finally, as we look, we can see that he has uncommon courage. Because now he's facing adversity because of his character and because of his commitment. You know, I love this. He prayed by the window. He wasn't afraid to be seen or heard. The edict went forth, and they tricked, these leaders tricked the king into making a decree that if anybody prayed to another god for the next 30 days, they'd be thrown into the lion's den. And these guys, they knew of Daniel's practice because he kept a window open when he practiced. And so with that, they knew, and they got him to sign this decree, and once it was signed, Nebuchadnezzar couldn't do anything about it. And so with that, we can see um, Daniel have to face the, the, the dictates of this edict. And watch, Daniel chapter um, 6, verse 10, the first part of that verse. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem, and he prayed. I love that. That's a bad mamma jamma right there. Isn't that? He knew. Now, this is my life or this is my death. But this is my practice. I've committed to this practice. This is who my God, I serve. I go after my God. I'm not letting anybody tell me not to go after my God. I'm staying committed. I'm walking in my character. And yes, I'll have courage. And I love it. And not only did, well, he could have went up and closed the window. And, I, and, and just, you know. Father in heaven, I just thank you, Jesus. You're so good to me, Lord. You know, he could have had a quiet prayer. But I have a feeling, it just sounds like he had an attitude. It does, don't it? He waited till the edict was signed. And then he got over there on that side, and he opened up that window, and he started praying. Lord, you and you only are God. You are king. You are Lord. You are the greatest. There's nothing and no one like you. You I lift up. In the name of <laughs> Yahweh. And he's praying to Yahweh. Oh, that's awesome. Is that good? Knowing his fate. But he's walking in courage. You know, knowing. But he opened up the window. Listen, I'm telling you right now, as a church, we just need to at times just realize who we are in Christ. Open up the window and let her rip. You know? Just, God, this is who I am. I'm not backing down from you. I'm not backing down from the world. I'm declaring who you are. I'm going after you with my whole heart. Give God some praise. Amen. As we 
come to a close in this, this courage that he had. We see in Daniel a man in a lion's den who was a man set apart for man's demise. But not just that. He was set apart for a supernatural encounter with God. He was. I don't believe these are the ones recorded or the ones we're seeing. These are those big things. But I believe every day God was doing things in Daniel, speaking to Daniel. That's how those people knew there was a man to call on for Nebuchadnezzar to have his dream interpreted. Because this man's going after God. Why? Because he answered the call to live life differently for his God. That's why he had that uncommon encounter. He resolved to have an uncommon character. He lived with an uncommon commitment. He faced adversity with an uncommon courage. And with that, he was set apart from the jaws of the lions and the liars. Amen? And he was set apart for experiencing the power of God at work in his life. Let me ask you, what about us? In our walls, what are you allowing to besiege you, to hem you in, to close you up, to keep the window shut on your faith? What is that wall that maybe you need to tear down? What is that thing that is robbing you from allowing the, the message of Christ to beam from your life? What is that, you know? Some of us, we don't even have a window because the wall is so big in our life. So I'm asking, what is that wall? Maybe that wall needs to come down today. What wall do you need to break up so that you can put a window in? Windows are important. Yes, they are. Listen, Daniel was blessed on the inside of that window praying, but something happened to those people when they looked in and saw what was going on in the heart of this man of prayer. And what they thought was going to be evil against him, God turned to good. What they thought would bring destruction, God used it to declare who he was to a whole nation, and at that time, the known power of the world. And so, yeah, same way with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were blessed in the middle of a fire, but you know those looking in got to see the fourth man? Amen? Daniel in the middle of the lion's den, but when Nebuchadnezzar looked in, he got to see the hand of God at work. And so it's important for what we're doing on the other side of that window in our lives. Let's stand to our feet. Daniel 6, I didn't give you a lot of scripture the last two Sundays, so I'm giving you, I've been giving you a ton today. Check this out. This is what was declared over God by the king. Then King Darius, this is years later, continuing to see God's hand at work on these lives. He wrote to all the people, nations, languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. None of this, he's the living God amongst gods. He's the king amongst kings. No, no. He is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian, choosing to live life. Listen to this. Daniel chose to live life in an uncommon way and it set him up for an uncommon encounter with God that resulted in what? More of God? More for God and more from God. We can see all three of those things at play here in Daniel's life. And yes, this was between Daniel and God, but it was in the view of man. Daniel knew that. That's why the window was open. Did he think really that the window needed to be open for God to hear? No. He was living his life out large, out loud, amen? 
And I want to challenge us. So if all of a sudden, here's the question I have, and I'm done. If all of a sudden there was a window put in front of your spirituality, okay? Now I'm on this side. Now the world is on this side. Now your children are on this side. Now your family members are on this side. Your workmates are on this side. And there's a window put in front of your spirituality. And they look. What would they say about your faith? Ross, that seems a little judgmental. No, no, Daniel, remember, God is my judge. It's not judgmental. I'm saying God is asking you. He's judging our hearts today. If you feel that conviction, that's him. And he would say to you, what would, they, what would that say if they looked through that window of your spirituality? What would that say about your, your faith? More importantly, it's not about you. What would they say looking through that window of spirituality at you? What would they say about your God? your God be believable? Would your God be that one that they could put their trust in? Would, that, would your God be the one that they could have confidence in? Would your God be the one that could be declared that, that before him, the God of Daniel, he is the living God and he endures forever? Would they be able to say that? So no, this isn't just a message about us getting more and walking in supernatural insight and encounters with God where he touches our heart. No, no. It's so that people can look through that window and just like those of old, hear the word of the Lord <coughs> declared out of your life in all things. So yes, God wants us to live in such a way that we have uncommon encounters with him that make him hard to deny by a world in desperate need of him. I believe that with all my heart. And I'm just challenging us in this year for the church to rise up in a very uncommon way. Bow your heads just for a moment. If you're here this morning, if you're here, I know we have one young man that wants to be baptized. Make your way up here to the tank right now. If you're here and you want to follow him in baptism, you make your way quickly, quickly. We're not waiting on this today. Come quickly. But listen, everyone else, if you're here this morning and you feel like, yes, I've struggled in my character, I've struggled in my commitment, I'm not courageous when it comes to my faith. And listen, every one of us at times are struggling in those things. That's why we've got to go to that place of prayer. That's why we come to the house of the Lord to be encouraged together. None of us have that figured out. But if that's you, would you hold up your hand? Just, just you, just let me see your hands around this room. And I'm struggling with character, commitment, or courage. In the name of Jesus, you see our people that are raising their hands. Lord, would you strengthen them today in their resolve to walk out their lives in an uncommon way. And even this week, allow us to experience you with uncommon encounters. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.